Welcome to Fertility Friendly Food. I'm your host, Stephanie Velarkis, accredited practicing dietitian and nutritionist and director of The Dietologist, an Australian-based practice focused on optimizing fertility through nutrition. This podcast will bring you snack-sized episodes for you to learn, grow, and be inspired by the latest research, facts, and practical lifestyle tips about eating well for optimal fertility, helping you cut through the confusion and myths to take back some of the control on your fertility journey, one bite at a time. Now, before we get into this episode, I will just note we are talking a fair bit about weight in this episode. Now, I am planning to record another episode where I talk more about weight and fertility and the approaches to that to support both body and mind. But if this topic of weight loss surgery is triggering for you, please find one of our other episodes to tune into and learn from. So I just want to make sure that we're taking care of your mind as much as we are your body here uh, at the podcast. So yeah, let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of Fertility Friendly Food, the podcast. My name is Stephanie Velarkis and I'm an expert fertility dietitian and nutritionist and founder of The Dietologist and your host. And today we are talking about a topic that was requested from a lovely follower of mine over on our Instagram page. And they asked, hey Steph, we'd love to learn more about what we can be doing after weight loss surgery, nutritionally speaking, in preparation for pregnancy. Now, I have had a couple of clients in this spot before, but I've always worked really collaboratively with a weight loss surgery specialized dietitian because it is a completely different kettle of fish. So today I have invited onto the podcast Lara Mathers, who is an accredited practicing dietitian And she is an expert weight loss surgery dietitian, and I can't wait to pick her brains about this topic. So welcome, Lara. Thank you, Steph, for that very warm welcome. I'm excited to be here today. Thanks so much for joining us. So tell us a bit about who you are, what you do, so the audience gets to know you a little bit better. Sure. So I am, as you said, an accredited practicing dietitian and I've been around for 10 years. I used to be a bit of a generalist, but I started specializing in weight loss surgery uh, about five years ago. Um, And I see clients before weight loss surgery, during the process um, of weight loss surgery and also after their weight loss surgery for up to a year or two years or sometimes people come back to me five years down the track when they might have had some weight regain. And I've also worked with people who are thinking about weight loss surgery. There were people that have been to their GP many times and struggled with their weight for many years, sometimes (laughs) since childhood, and are ready to make that next step. To have surgery. So I try to connect all those pieces um, and again work in a collaborative fashion with a surgeon, a psychologist, and me being the dietitian. Yeah. And you run a fully virtual practice like we do, don't you? Yes. I made the decision to move 90% of my practice to be virtual when COVID hit. 
I am at the MARTA once a month as well with my surgeon, uh, Dr. David Yeo. Which is here in Sydney, for those listening. Yes, which is here in Sydney. Yeah. Um, So where did your interest in nutrition and weight loss surgery come from? My interest in nutrition came from my mum. Mum decided to be a vegetarian at some point when I was growing up and she taught cooking classes when we lived in Singapore. So I became really interested in food at that point. My interest for weight loss surgery came from my time when I worked rurally. I saw a lot of people who were suffering with being overweight for a long period of their life and tried many different pills, injections, weight loss programs, and not had lasting success. And that was about 10 years ago. And that was when weight loss surgery was really new to the scene. So I was really lucky to work with a couple of excellent GPs and they introduced me to weight loss surgery right at the beginning of my career. And then I collaborated with my surgeon in the last five years and just seeing the positive change in people's lives is truly magical and I really love being part of it. Yeah, that's so awesome. It's awesome to see that positive outcome play out and, like, that's why we're so passionate about what we do here at the Dietologist as well. It's, like, awesome to see positive outcomes for people that are able to grow their families as well. So it looks like we have a lot in common. So for those who might be listening who have never heard of weight loss surgery, because there could be quite a few people tuning in, uh, can you give us a brief explanation of what is weight loss surgery? We know there's a few different types, but just give us the overarching rundown of what it involves and who you tend to see to get these types of surgeries. Yes. So you're exactly right. There are a couple of different types. The main three that we have in Australia are the sleeve gastrectomy, the mini gastric bypass, also called the omega loop, and the full gastric bypass, which is also called the Rowan Y. You see a specialist bariatric surgeon um, or an upper GI surgeon. Both those surgeons uh, can do the surgeries and In my experience, it's best to work with someone who has bariatric surgery experience. What is involved in having weight loss surgery? There's three main phases. You've got your pre-op phase, your post-op phase, and then I guess life afterwards. And you have to follow a special diet leading up to surgery. And then there's a dietary texture progression after surgery. And then it's just getting people into a habit and routine of eating well for the rest of their life. And there's quite a bit of portion control that goes on as well. Yeah, because a lot of, well, not all of the surgeries, but a couple of the surgeries are actually physically restricting the size of the stomach itself in terms of the amount of food that it can potentially hold. Yeah, exactly. So all three surgeries restrict the size of the stomach and then two of the Mm. surgeries, so the mini gastric bypass and the gastric bypass are actually what we call malabsorptive as well. So you don't absorb all of your protein and your fats and your carbs as well because your intestine Mm. is pulled up um, the surgeon gets about two metres of the intestine 
uh, and reattaches it to the stomach. So the only one mm. surgery that's just restrictive is the sleeve gastrectomy. Uh, the others yep. have got that other component of malabsorption. Yeah, which is why a dietitian is so important in that time. Exactly. <laughs> um, in terms of management of your nutritional needs, I mean, in all surgeries. Um, but, yeah, a lot of people do ask about, like, how does it actually work? How does it, how is it different in terms of helping you lose weight? I've tried pills, I've tried shakes, I've tried diets, I've tried, you know, going to the gym. Um, how is this different? And for a lot of people it's that actual restrictive and malabsorptive component. Yeah, right? totally. The restrictive and malabsorptive part is a main component or other main components. But also the really f- interesting part is that you get a change in your hunger hormones as well. So the reduction in hunger is a really big player uh, for success. And also people can have reversal of diabetes and insulin resistance, which is really cool. Totally. The improvements in chronic health conditions is one of those criteria, right, into thinking about um, who might be eligible for bariatric surgery. Are there any rules or guidelines about conception after surgery? So say somebody is thinking about getting weight loss surgery in the next six months or so, but then they also want to start trying for a family in the near future. Is it best to wait until you healed up and stabilized with your weight? Because obviously there is this phase after surgery where you're going to be losing weight at a pretty maybe an increased pace than usual um, in other, compared to other settings. Um, and is it what's the safety of conception? Is it just any time after you're in that healing and you've gone back into an quote-unquote normal diet or your lifelong post-bariatric diet or is there an amount of time that people should be waiting? There is an amount of time that people should be waiting. We generally say one year people need to wait, so 12 months after they've had their surgery because you should be in a weight loss phase for Mm. that whole year. In saying that, I have had clients fall pregnant accidentally very quickly after surgery, (laughs) which is fantastic because... Um, it's a very exciting time for clients. It's like a double whammy, mm. but it's this is when it's so important to get your nutrition right, not only your macros like your proteins, your carbs and your veggies, but also your micronutrients, uh, which I think we're going to talk about a bit later on because you're needing to support yourself and your little bub that's growing. So it's a it's a, a cha- it can be a challenging time, but an exciting time. So basically, try we advise people to use contraception for the first twelve months after they have weight loss surgery. Yeah, and that's from a like a best practice standpoint. But obviously, exactly. if it were to happen, we would just roll with the punches. Yeah, we totally yeah. can roll with it. Have done, and um, it's exciting at when yeah. that happens. Yeah, yeah. Totally, especially if you have been trying to conceive without success prior to that surgery. It's especially exciting. So, Lara, are the nutritional demands or the the things that change after weight loss surgery much different between males and females? Because obviously it's not always just females undergoing weight loss surgery from a conception standpoint, but they're if they have a male partner, it might be their partner. So what's the differences there? 
um, to note so our audience can be across that if that's relevant to them? Great question, Steph. Yes, there are differences in the nutritional demands for males and females after weight loss surgery. So men usually have more muscle mass and are taller than the women, generally, not always. Uh, So their protein requirements are higher. And another really interesting thing for men that I've found is in relation to conception, after weight loss surgery, men seem to have an increase in their testosterone as well. And I think that's another factor of why sometimes people accidentally fall pregnant. What nutrients or requirements do people who have undergone weight loss surgery wanting to try to conceive need to be aware of, whether that be macronutrients or micronutrients like you've mentioned? So there are about eight separate nutrients that certainly women and men should be aware of if they're trying to conceive after weight loss surgery. That's iron, folate, B12, omega-3, zinc, vitamin A, calcium and vitamin D. And if you're taking a good weight loss surgery or bariatric multivitamin, all of those should be covered in it. Vitamin D and calcium are likely to be separate though. So it is something that's lifelong after weight loss surgery and you might need to do some tweaks. So talking to your fertility specialist dietitian about that, you might need to increase your folate, your iron, um, especially for women and double check your vitamin D because obviously for a growing baby, vitamin D is super important for the bones. Yeah, yeah. And especially that folate absorption, if you've got a malabsorptive surgery, sometimes the folic acid, we go up to sometimes tenfold what the rest of the population needs. So it is a really big jump. And this is even, and this is something that I often come across in my clinic, is people like forget that they had bariatric surgery like 15 years ago. And so they go, oh, yeah, but that was when I was like, you know, 22, I'm now 38, like, you know, whatever. But no, what happened in your (laughs) digestive tract, even then it still plays a role in your absorption now. So we still actually need to take that into account. So it's really important that you let your healthcare provider know your medical history so that they are able to tailor all those things to you. Um, And it's a question that we specifically like make sure that we ask for in our like supplement consults because we know sometimes people forget that they did it like, you know, maybe five years ago. Um, And now that they are, you know, at their goal weight or their happiest weight, they sometimes forget that that's relevant to the conversation that we're having today. So really important to keep that in mind. Yeah, exactly. I have clients as young as 22 years old and I know that they're going to be wanting to have babies when they're older. So definitely you need to be telling your fertility dietitian about that. And as you said, if you've had any kind of malabsorptive surgery, your stomach and your intestines are changed for life, I'm afraid. (laughs) So you've always got to be on top Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like someone's gone in there and rearranged the furniture, I say. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's how I felt after my endo surgery and nobody took any organs or segments of organs out. <laughs> and I feel like someone <laughs> went in there and rearranged, rearranged all the organ furniture and then I felt very different after I woke back up. So can't imagine when things have actually been cut, cut and pasted in there. So that would definitely be something to keep in mind. So getting some blood tests done, making sure you're taking the right supplement, checking in with your dietitian, making sure your healthcare providers are across your situation as well. Is there anything people need to be aware of from transitioning into pregnancy? A lot of people seem to be a little bit concerned that, you know, now that if they've had restrictive surgeries, that how is the baby going to grow sufficiently if their stomach is a reduced size is there what's your response to that for everyone who's had or for all females who've had weight loss surgery you should still be able to manage to get all the nutrition in terms of calories and protein in it's just your vitamins and minerals that really need to be on point so I wouldn't I don't I tell clients not to be worried about growing a baby. I've seen many people do it successfully and you just need Mm -hmm. to be committed, really committed. You need a good plan and I think as well margin for error in my experience is smaller um, when you have a pregnancy with bariatric surgery in terms of, you know, if you have a, a lemonade on the weekend or something like that, it's it's displacing a lot of potential nutrition that we need to actually get baby growing. So that's always a bit of an interesting situation to navigate for mums, particularly in the first trimester as well. Yeah, and I think it depends what your goals are. So if you've had your surgery and you're five years down the track and now you're trying to conceive and you want to try and only gain the minimum amount of healthy weight gain, then you mm. need to be yeah have a really good plan like you said if you've accidentally fallen pregnant quite quickly after surgery then it's more we need to support the growing bub and the weight loss mm. phase may be slower but you know the priority changes yeah. totally 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 because we don't want to stunt any developmental growth and due to insufficient energy or protein or micronutrient intake, obviously. Exactly. I think that's a really good point there, Lara, for people to have a think about because I think that's the arena where most questions come from in my DMs in this topic. So I'm glad we got to cover a lot of that. Now I want to ask you, what are the three things you wish people knew about weight loss surgery that you see are really big myths? Yeah, so... I think there's probably three big myths. One is that appetite doesn't come back after weight loss surgery. It can, unfortunately. It usually doesn't come back for a while, a couple of months, sometimes a year, and some people never get it back. But I've also had people who've got it back at like six weeks. And then it's really nutting down as to whether is that a real physical hunger or is that a head hunger? So that's stuff we talk about and also the psychologist will work with clients as well. The second myth is that weight loss surgery is deemed the easy way out for trying to lose weight and it's definitely not. 
if anyone has had surgery, they know that that's not an easy option, um, undergoing general anaesthetic and having your stomach and intestines rerouted is not an easy option. And it's a topic that's really hot at the moment. But yeah, people who've suffered with their weight a lot of their life and yo-yo dieted, um, this is their last resort. So it's a, it's a big myth that it's the easy way out. This It's a tool, the weight loss surgery, and it requires lifelong commitment. So I just want to shut that one to bed. Um, it's not the easy way out. And everybody that has weight loss surgery should be proud that they made that decision. Yeah, I think that's the biggest one by far. I think um, a lot of conversations that people have, even with me, and maybe they're contemplating it or, you know, they're often like, oh, I don't want to feel like people think I'm lazy or I'm taking the easy way out. But once you really actually understand what happens with the metabolism, it is so not easy to lose weight even with the best of support. And for some people, that is their very best option. And it is certainly not easy. Like you said, it's a lifelong commitment. Yeah, some people have started life off um, even as big babies. If your mother had gestational diabetes, um, you know, you've got diabetes in your family, all sorts of things. Um, Genetics plays a really big role in obesity, Gut health plays a big role, lifestyle factors. There's no one thing. So you can't just label it the easy way out either. It's, you know, it's a really multifactorial um, issue. That big spaghetti diagram that we're always shown it. <laughs> I don't know if you were shown at uni, but we got shown this same spaghetti diagram when I was studying of how complicated weight management is. Um, and how many factors are way outside an individual's uh, domain of control. Um, and it, sometimes I, I show that to clients, even though like the detail is, you know, unfathomable most of the time. It's unfathomable for me. Um, but it, it just gives you perspective. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's linked to so many different pathways that – um, yeah. we are still in the infancy of, of knowing how best to manage and treat it. Totally. Even little things that you may not think of, like how much access to green space we have, how wide the pathways yeah. are in your neighbourhood, um, the food supply, access to food, so many things that are not necessarily you having direct control over and it's really tough and so yeah I think I completely agree I think that's by far the biggest myth that I hear and I'm glad you put that one my last myth is that I call them unchecked eating patterns and what I really mean is unhealthy eating patterns uh, will disappear they sadly won't and what we know is that early psychological behavior change is the biggest predictor of success long-term. So if you are aware that you have um, emotional challenges surrounding food and eating, 
then I work with some really good psychologists that can help you address those problems. I think it's a really important component of the puzzle that we probably don't talk about enough and it's something that we should really address as early as possible and use that holistic collaborative model of health change. Yeah. I think the thing that I always say and especially amongst people you know, that may have had weight loss surgery and then maybe they didn't lose as much weight as they thought and it's considered, quote, unquote, unsuccessful. And even though I have zero speciality in this area of nutrition, the question that I always used to raise or ask in my brain would be, we have cut out a part of your intestines or depending on what type of surgery, but let's just generalise and just say we've cut out a bit of your gut But if you've done no work on the most important organ, which is your brain, we're not going to get the ideal outcome. And sometimes the brain needs far more work and for far longer than your rearranging your digestive system may ever will to get that kind of longevity and that success. That's why it's so important to have a team that's going to surround you um, before, during, after and long term who understand that, you know, when life gets hard, you're going to go back to the status quo. You're going to go back to patterns that bring you comfort. That's normal. But at the same time, things are different now in your body and some things you won't be able to tolerate. And so it's really important that you have a good team around you, whether you're trying to conceive or not. Like obviously most people listening to this podcast are probably thinking about having a baby or currently trying to conceive. So especially relevant to them, but You know, I talk about the relationship with food and body and exercise a lot with my clients outside of this context anyway, because I think it's really important that we try to solve these, not problems, but rectify these issues if they're issues for you, if they are an issue for you, that we rectify them now before you become a parent, ideally, because as well, that's going to help you role model those positive behaviors to your future child. So it's really important to have some perspective as well about why we're doing what we're doing. Um, Yes, we want that here and now benefit, but we also want that kind of intergenerational effect to be positive as well. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point to raise as well. Perfect. Thank you so much, Lara, for coming on to the podcast and sharing all your knowledge and wisdom with us. Now, where can people find out more about you and your services? So people can find out about me on Instagram. And my handle is weight loss underscore surgery dietitian or my website, which is www.laramathers.com. And as I mentioned before, um, I'm at the MARTA once a month as well, which is in Sydney uh, with my surgeon. So you can book a call on Instagram with me or head to my website uh, and you can submit inquiry there. Awesome. We'll have all those links for everyone to follow up down below as well. Thanks again for joining us, Lara. Appreciate your time. And until the next episode, everyone. Bye. Bye.